You're listening to Legally Bliss Conversations. This podcast reclaims and rewrites the stories female attorneys have been told about how we should practice law, grow our businesses, treat our clients, treat ourselves, and craft our identities as female attorneys. We'll hear inspiring stories from current and former female attorneys, the ones who question the stories they've been told, the ones who aren't afraid to live boldly and step into their own power. We'll learn from women who define success on their terms. Through lighthearted and curious conversation, we'll impact the challenges these inspiring female attorneys have already navigated. So join me on this journey. You'll be empowered and ready to rewrite a completely new story about what is possible for you. Well, hey there. I'd like to welcome everyone to Legally Bliss Conversations and a very warm welcome today, Kyla Dinanio. Kyla is a podcast producer, connector, and a lawyer. She promotes lawyers and their non-traditional careers and cool interests on the You Are a Lawyer podcast which you can find anywhere you find, listen to your podcast as well as on YouTube. So welcome, Kyla. Thank you so much for being here. So let's go back a few years, Kyla. I really want to get to know you and learn a little bit more about your journey. So why did you decide to go to law school? <laughs> so I decided to go to law school because I could not stop thinking about it. So I was, I only know one lawyer. And it was a guy that was a pastor at my church when I was younger. And so he was, he eventually ran for like city prosecutor and then he ran for judge. So I was like helping with his campaign. I mean, I'm in like college, like just walking down parades, holding banners. And I was like, okay, this seems pretty cool. And it turns out that he was actually doing insurance defense, but I didn't know at the time I had no frame of reference. So I go to college and I just wanted a job. I was like, let me get out of Ohio State. I want a job. Let me get back to working. I just want to work, 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 work. So my first job was editing at McGraw-Hill, and I'm like, I should go to law school, but it's also nice to make money. So I kept working, and then I was like, well, I'm going to do law school, but now I just got a promotion. And so it was about five years. I was like, if you're still thinking about it, go to law school. Yeah. And yeah. I applied to law school, and I went to law school. <laughs> okay, so where did you go to law school? Yeah. So I'm from Columbus, Ohio. I went to law school in Baton Rouge. Louisiana awesome. completely flipped my world upside down. Um, <laughs> when I got into law school, I was kind of nervous that I had missed the chance because I was waitlisted at Case Western, which was in Cleveland. And I went on a tour. I sat in on a class. I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Cleveland. Yeah. Right. My best friend is from Cleveland. So I know that the Cleveland weather is terrible, but I was like, it's worth it. It's law school. I'll still be in the state. And then I heard from them and they were like, oh, you know, you didn't get it. And I was like, well, I guess that's it. And then literally, I think it was like April 14th or something. And school starts in August and I get a letter like, you've been accepted, da, da, da. Never have been to Louisiana in my life, you know? And they're like, you got to get a yellow fever shot and you have to get a this shot because there's all this stuff that's like native to Louisiana that right. I'm not accustomed yeah. to. Right, right. And I, I go to law school, so... So you moved down to Baton Rouge. Okay. So I have family in Louisiana. And so I'm, fam I'm familiar with New Orleans. I've been there several times. Most of my family lives uh, north of Baton Rouge, but so let's talk about the law school experience. Did you, were you, okay, did you love it or were you like, get me the heck out of here? I'm, I'm over this as soon as I, mean, it seems like you were 
I, I hope it lived up to your expectations and, and everything beyond, but how was it? Did you love it? So did I love it? Yes. Good. Did it live up to expectations? No, because I had no expectations. I knew I was going to law school. Um, So let me take you back a little bit. I would go to Ohio State and I was like, I'm going to be a pharmacist. I wanted to start a makeup company and make nail polish. That was the only thing I ever loved. I've since grown to enjoy lipstick, but I'm still like, that's it. Nail polish, lipstick, that's that's all I want to do. I even had like internships in pharmacy where I'm just counting pills. Okay. That's nothing to do with making nail polish. Like I probably should have did like chemical engineering or something. Right. And so the only time I'd ever even considered Louisiana was when I thought about going to Xavier University because they produce a lot of pharmacists. And I was like, okay, cool. So I think Louisiana had been in the back of my mind just a little bit. And so fast forward to, I get to Ohio State, I'm taking organic chemistry. Yeah. I was like, what the heck is this? I just wanted to make, uh, no. And so I go to my career counselor and I'm like, what can I do? And they're like, well, what about political science? And I'm pretty strategic and savvy. So I'm like, okay, if I take uh, political stats, that covers my stats class and my math class. If I take intro to like Israeli literature that covers religion and literature. So I got out in three years. And so again, this was still pushing me to be like, you want to work, you want to work, you want to work. Okay. So I end up in Louisiana and I'm like, okay, law school is going to be school. But remember, college was just completely different. And that was like five years ago. So I'm 28 now. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I know I'm not making money because I'm not in school, but I literally had no expectations. Um, Looking back at it now, law school was a lot similar it was more similar to undergrads than dissimilar because you learn a little bit about everything you learn a little bit about tours medical malpractice contract you know what I mean and I think when people talk to me about going to law school now they think about it as in like you're done with medical school and you're doing a rotation and what you want to do right like and I think well yeah law school is not like that (laughs) not even I think but law school is not like that and so if I had yeah sorry I'm trying to like reconcile the two but I really had no expectation for it um so did it live up to expectations no I already said that but it didn't live up to expectations because the south in America is not Ohio right I was a Yankee I have an accent. I wore jeans. I wore jerseys to football games. And people in Louisiana don't do that. They dress cute. They wear dresses and, you know, polos and khakis. Um, So I was a fish out of water. Louisiana was very, very different from being in Ohio. So that part alone was a culture shock. Um, But the actual school was, school was fun. And I say that because when I talk to people I went to law school with, Yes, it was challenging. Yes, it was demanding. Yes, it pulled and stretched me. But I also ran for parliamentarian and got it as a 1L. Then I ran to be editor-in-chief of the newspaper and I got that. So I'm like, I didn't make it seem like it was hard because I was doing all of this stuff. Yeah, so but it was involved, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was pretty, it was, um, it was an experience. Yeah. <laughs> so what was your favorite thing about law school? Like when you're looking back on it? 
when I'm looking back on it, by far, it is the law school that I went to. So I went to Southern University Law Center, which is an HBCU, which is a historically black college and university. And there are only six HBCU law schools in the whole country. So that was so groundbreaking for me. And one of my favorite experiences because the law school is only 50% of your typical black or African-American students because it's law school. There's only so many law schools in the country. And so, you know, whereas the undergrad campus was probably 80 or 85% of black students and everybody else, the law school was 50-50. So it was pretty interesting to see that big divide. Um, But that was my favorite part about it. I felt like I was being a part of legacy and history especially coming from Ohio State, which at the time was the largest school in the whole country. And so I went from 40,000 people on campus to 5,000 people on campus. So that was a big difference. See, you're talking about the accent, but see, I don't think you have an accent at all, right? But I'm sure when you went to Louisiana, like it was, it was probably more of an adjustment for you to get accustomed to (laughs) some of the accents down there. Absolutely. Well, one of the biggest things is I speak fast and it's just an Ohio thing. We're just talking, you know, when me and my girlfriends get together and we're talking over each other and that's just how we do and you pick up all these different conversations and Louisiana was like molasses. (laughs) (laughs) You're like everyone. (laughs) Yeah, but everyone (laughs) is very intentional and every word was very deliberate and I was like, why am in such a rush is this just what I know yeah so it was a complete a complete culture shock yeah yeah oh I bet so okay so you you went through law school and you graduate when you were close to graduation or like close to taking the bar did you have a career secured at that point did you kind of know what you were going to be doing so I did not have a career secured, but I did know what I wanted to do. And that was, I wanted to work in environmental law. That was the reason why I moved to Louisiana. And I had interned with the Louisiana EPA equivalent, uh, which was Environmental Protection Agency. And so I had my mindset on like going to the Army Corps of Engineers or something like that, being an engineering type um, or environmental type law. And so because I had interned there, they asked me to come on for the next summer. The next summer I ended up graduating and I definitely thought I was gonna take the bar exam and then apply to stay there, be like a staff attorney there. And taking the bar in Louisiana is a little different, right? Like it, it, it compared to the rest of the US. Can you tell me a little bit about how, how that works? Yeah, so every state has their own bar exam. And then there's the thing called the MBE, which is the multi-state bar exam, which is about like 32 states or so in the whole country cover that, you know, feel free to put up the accurate number. (laughs) That's wrong. I can't even remember this because it was so long. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds good. We'll go 32. (laughs) Okay. But then Louisiana is a special butterfly because Louisiana studies civil law. So the rest of the country is common law, which is just completely different. So we learn things like usufruct, which is when you own property, who gets rights of the land? It's the way that it's passed down. And usufruct is just a French term. 
there's your typical things for like property law, tenants in common, joint um, ownership and things like that. But then you add on these French civil law rules that they've been um, studying under and practicing under. So that's a lot different. The biggest difference in Louisiana is that almost every case or every large piece of, uh, what am I trying to say? Let me start back over. Everything in Louisiana is code-based. Everything is codified. So you have the Louisiana Supreme Court, and if there's a big ruling out, that is then codified. So when you're writing for the bar exam, when you're writing for your exams in law school, it is, according to Louisiana Civil Procedure Code 958, this. It's not, oh, in case Demangio versus Hickson, this is the precedent. Everything is codified in Louisiana. So that was one of the reasons why I underestimated the bar exam because you know uh, yeah. which codes you're gonna see on which day. Yeah. Day one is code one, two, and three. Day two is towards in this. So like, you know what to expect even though you don't know what the questions are gonna be. But having the law codified doesn't make it any less daunting <laughs> or less you know, intimidating for you to study and learn. So did you end up staying and practicing in Louisiana or did your journal journeys take you somewhere else? My journey took me somewhere else. Specifically okay. about it. <laughs> 1500 miles north. Um, so I graduated in May 2015. I took the bar exam that July and I'm waiting for my results and I moved back to Ohio, which is where I'm from. And my then boyfriend now husband takes me out for ice cream. And we start dating, and then I find out I didn't pass the bar in October, so that long waiting period, oh, and then I was like, well, why am I going back to Louisiana? So then I just stayed here. So yeah. then, so that was completely different. Um, in my mind, I thought I was going to come back, just wait out the time, right, because I'm not working, I'm not in school, I needed money to live and pay rent. Sure. So I was going to just come back and wait for my results, and then just start everything afresh from there. But because I was already here and then the results weren't what I was expecting, then I just stayed here. So you stayed in Ohio with the man who mm -hmm. bought you the ice cream and is who and now your husband. You know, these things happen, right? Yes. <laughs> Life happens and it can be beautiful. So you stay in Ohio. So what's what happens like in the la like the last few years since you are back in Ohio? Have you been practicing, and what is your what does your work look like? Yeah, so back in Ohio, I have not been practicing. I was working at a big law firm for five years, so I decided to apply for jobs because I'm in Ohio. Looking, look at me, fresh lawyer, come train me. <laughs> So well, <laughs> but I have no home base here. I went to law school in Louisiana. That's tough. That's tough. It is tough. And I mean, there was a learning curve there because you go to interviews and people are like, who's your dad? Because they want to know who got you the interview. What's your family? Do I know them? And so I'm like, no, look at me on the merits of my paper. Sure. But then I come here and I'm like, oh, I wish I did have a buddy I could call just say, get me an interview because yeah. it's a completely different place. So I end up just looking online, apply for a job to be a document reviewer, document editor. Second shift job, 4 p.m. to midnight, basement of a law firm. I had no expectations. I, I, this is kind of my life. <laughs> I kind of just, let things happen. 
but I didn't have, I'm getting ahead of myself. So I'm working in the basement, editing documents. This law firm is one of eight. They have eight different locations all over the country. They didn't have an office in Louisiana, so they weren't on my radar. I had no idea how big they were. Yeah. So I'm working in the basement, doing some back review. And um, it was a tough job just because they were really exacting. Like I was in training for about 12 weeks about how to transcribe recordings. And, you know, the partners, they literally would send down the tapes and I'm learning how to do all that and type it up. And um, we were doing like contract reviews and writing out property descriptions where you have to read it aloud with punctuation and all of this stuff. And so finally, one of the lawyers says, you're doing such a great job. You don't have to have me review it before you submit it. You can just submit it. Great. So of course there's a chain of commands. I'm like, I gotta tell someone if I could do this. And they're like, well, how'd you get all the practice? And I was like, law school. You were an editor, right? Were you an editor in law school for the law for the law journal? I was for yeah, yeah for our um, public defender newspaper. Yeah. And so and I was actually editor in chief. So people are submitting their stuff to me and I'm reviewing it and you I'm got, telling them. You got this stuff. Stuff. You've got this stuff. <laughs> But I mean, I didn't put that on my application. I didn't even have law school on my resume when I applied because I'm applying to work in the basement and just review stuff second shift. Like in my mind, the lawyers are gone. I'm coming in at 4 p.m. You know, now I know that lawyers don't work typical hours. They would be there right. for 8.30. Yeah. But in my mind, I'm just, you know, we had no, I mean, I think there was a dress code, but it was really, really relaxed. Yeah. Like I was not going to see people. Also, who are you guys in Ohio? I'm a Louisiana lawyer. Like it's, I didn't have like a reputation to protect here. I was, I was essentially fresh and new here. So I was like, oh, law school, law school. Well, of course, you know, all of this stuff. And so they're like, well, can we give you a little bit more? And I'm like, sure. And so a job opportunity comes up with, uh, which was a chance for me to move from Columbus, Ohio to Cincinnati. I moved to Cincinnati. I have this phone interview just like we're talking now which was unheard of in 2017 yeah and I'm like oh just let me drive down and meet with you right if I can talk with you in person you're hiring me I promise you I, I love interviewing and they're like no we'll do it on the phone so I send them like a little thank you card through the inner office mail and never hear anything and then I get an email like okay you got the job start Monday but because I'm already in the system I'm like okay I just have to show up in Cincinnati so long story short <laughs> They were looking for someone who knew Microsoft Word and knew Excel. And that was pretty much the requirement. They posted it internally. They wanted to spell it that way before they had to do external. Sure. I got the job. I end up working in this groundbreaking area of law, which is e-commerce law. We're dealing with online counterfeits with Amazon and eBay. I mean, this is before like your McCurries and Rakutens are big. So we're talking about Sears online selling. Who is counterfeiting stuff? Is that Pampers box? legitimate or not and it's this subsect of intellectual property law which I had never heard of I'm having meetings with patent attorneys who are like well if we can't get this to go to court then we'll argue that the patent is infringing and I'm like this tiny little job description and I end up doing this and I absolutely loved it because it took all of my legal knowledge but also because it was a role that was similar to being a paralegal there was a lot of analyzing. There was a lot of pulling data. I was able to build my time, which I'm embarrassed to say I enjoyed. I loved seeing what I did all day on paper. Um, my managers wouldn't say that I was always turning them in late or like right on the deadline, but it was cool to see. Well, like, yeah, I just did that for a lot of time. Um, 
so I, I absolutely loved it. So I ended up doing that for three and a half years. Wow. And when I left the law firm, we had actually opened the department where I had trained six different paralegals and we were supporting lawyers in five of our eight offices that were in that practice group. So wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it had like completely ballooned, but it took me even mentioning my law degree for people to say, oh, and like in hindsight, I want to say that everything, of course, happened like it should have. But sure. I, I do think there was some strategy to why I wasn't mentioning my degree before. Like, I think that I probably would have resented the work if I was like, I'm a lawyer down here editing. This is so silly. Like, why am I reviewing this? I went to law school. And I think the fact that I came into it with an open mind yeah. kind of allowed me to be surprised when stuff happened. Oh, I love that. It allowed you to be surprised. Like you let yourself kind of be surprised by that. That's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So let's talk about your transition into your podcast and how you are a lawyer podcast kind of came about um, with respect to also having been with that law firm. So how did all this happen? <laughs> so no, that's a perfect oh, segue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's a great segue because as I mentioned, I'm in this new surprising field. Yeah. And I was working as what they call a practice group assistant, but it was truly a corporate paralegal role. Mm -hmm. So we had hired an analyst and I'm talking to him. We're having lunch together and chatting. And he's like, yeah, I went to NKU law school. I'm like, you're a lawyer too? And he's like, yeah, I also write comic books on the side and do this. And I'm like, <laughs> you're not practicing, right? Because our bosses, quote unquote, are associates or partners in this law firm. Yeah. So we are also lawyers. I mean, our conversation was different when we're at the table, we're asking different questions, but our degree was serving us, even though we weren't the ones with our names on the door, you know what I mean? Right. And so I was like, I wonder if there's more people, like literally this sparks it. And so I, <laughs> I get married and I'm pregnant and I'm like, what else do I want to add to my plate? Why don't I start a podcast? <laughs> Just do it. So, I, yeah. So I asked that coworker, I'm like, you want to come on my podcast? He's like, what are you going to talk about? I'm like, lawyers who don't practice? And he's like, um, maybe in a couple months. I'm like, okay, fair. And there was another paralegal who was an accountant. And so she was working as a tax paralegal and she had this whole law degree. And I'm like, we're everywhere. And I'm like, there has we're to be everywhere. something. <laughs> you said that like, like we're infiltrating. <laughs> And so, no, but honestly, like we had responsibility, we had, we were working hard, but there had to be either, I knew their stories couldn't have just been like mine. Like the guy that I was working with, he never even took the bar exam. He said he graduated and he started studying and he was like, I don't want to practice. Like, but then you end up, exactly. But then you end up in a law firm excelling. So there has to be some commonality to us that we are able to excel, get promoted, get along with these lawyers just because we went to law school. So I started doing my research and I found a lot of people and I started recording as I was at the law firm. Um, I would have my lunch break. I would eat for a couple minutes and then I would start like trying to play on my spreadsheets and let me pitch to this person and see if they'll talk to me. Let me see. So the podcast literally started out of working there and seeing all of the options that you can have uh, with your law degree, seeing all the different people that had law degrees that were not being a typical big law partner or big law associate. 
Let's take a quick pause for a message from my sponsor, Prominent Practice. Are you thinking about a career transition from big law or partnership to a solo practice, selling your practice, or maybe you're launching a project unrelated to law? Whatever the reason for your transition, you'll need support along the way. Enter Prominent Practice, an executive consulting and marketing firm specializing in branding, positioning, and reputation management for transitioning attorneys. Founded by a female entrepreneur who spent a decade building smart digital platforms for thought leaders before pivoting to focus on high-end service providers who were preparing for successions, mergers, and acquisition events in their businesses. If you're thinking about making a big business move, don't risk losing the ability to leverage the reputation you've spent your career building. Let Prominent Practice be your guide. Visit prominentpractice.com slash blist for an exclusive introduction. And I love that. That's sort of like, that's what your law, your podcast is about, right? Like you can be a lawyer, but you can be all of these other things. So when did you launch your podcast? Was that in 2020 yes. or 2021? 2020, April 16, 2020. Okay. I, I had a feeling you would know like your launch date of your first podcast. <laughs> of course. I'm a numbers girl. I probably was supposed to be an accountant or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, okay. So you're doing the podcast and you're, I mean, you're coming upon two years of podcasting. What is your yep, um, favorite thing about it? What have you, what's like kind of, what have you learned the most? So my favorite thing about podcasting is how small the community is. Because I interview people and I always ask them, you know, would you like to recommend someone? And they've recommended two or three people that are on my list to reach out to. Yeah. Or they say, you know, I'm like, do you have any questions for me? And they're like, thanks for talking to my friend last season. And I'm like, really? So that part has been really fun to me. Um, you asked two questions. What, oh, what, I think you said, what keeps me going? What was my other question? Okay, so I asked uh, what what you'd learned and, okay, so the first one was, what was your favorite thing? And you said, because it's mm -hmm. like, like it because it's a small community, but my other one was, um, what have you learned? Like, what is like yes. the thing that you learned? So one of the biggest things that I've learned from hosting the You Are Lawyer podcast is that <laughs> it, it seems so silly to say. So lawyers are so much more than their profession. That is by far the biggest thing that I've learned because yeah. I did not start the podcast to humanize lawyers. I started the podcast to say, yes, you're a lawyer, but also, hey, Kyla, you're a lawyer too. You're not practicing. You did not become licensed with a state bar association, but you are a lawyer. You have studied the law. You've graduated with a JD. You are a lawyer. You are a lawyer. So at first, yeah. yes, it was a mantra to myself. You yeah. are a lawyer. Yeah. You are a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. You are a lawyer, right? And so to anyone that's confused, like, okay, big deal. We say, <laughs> and as in we Americans, we say lawyer and attorney really interchangeably. Right, right. But a lawyer is someone who's graduated from law school. An attorney is someone who is licensed to practice law in okay. front of like a state or you know what I mean a federal agency right. so there truly is a difference like the English have it right barristers and solicitors they don't mix them right. we mix ours up and I I wasn't ashamed of my law degree but I was embarrassed by it because I wasn't practicing law mm. but Kyla you are a lawyer so it's 
it's kind of ironic, I guess, that I bring people on and we talk about everything. We talk about law school, but then we're, what about this? What about this? What about this? How does your law degree serve you? Because I could not get rid of my legal education if I tried. Like it is embedded and ingrained in me. And everything I do, I prepared for this, right? Everything I do comes from that place of being prepared, not asking questions you don't know the answer to, all of the trainings that you get when you're in law school. Um, so that's my favorite thing, the fact that I get to remind people that, yes, you're a lawyer, but you're so much more than that. And I kind of get to humanize the legal profession. Oh, I love that so much. Um, so you are a mom also. Mm-hmm. You've got your podcast, your wife, and you're also a mom. How many children do you have? Just a daughter, just one. You have, your, you have one, one girl. So how do you balance all of this? How do you create a flexible life? So I want to take credit for it, but my daughter is a great sleeper. She still sleeps at least 12 hours and she's two years old. And that is my hurt. Shout out to daughter. (laughs) I mean, so I got to give my husband some credit because early on he was like sleep training, let her cry the three days and she'll know how to put herself to sleep. And those days were tough, but yeah. now she keeps herself asleep. Um, so yeah, so I'm able to keep everything going because I have, I'm really organized. Um, I don't have more than two recordings in one day because they, they burn up a lot of energy and then you're exhausted because you're running on adrenaline when you're interviewing and then you're wiped out later. So I'm pretty organized with that. And then she sleeps really well. So I do a lot of work when she's asleep. I've recently switched to where I am able to record during the day, but I used to only record between 7 p.m. and 11 p.m. for two years of the whole podcast. Yeah, <laughs> because that was when I had time, when I wasn't working. That was, yeah. I had to get work. So, yeah. Yeah, having it during the day is has got to be so much better. So, okay, so you're publishing one episode a week, right? And then you're also yeah. publishing on YouTube and then you also do your book re- book reviews because yes. you you're a voracious reader. It sounds like <laughs> yes, so. I am. So, yeah. So even in the background, if you guys are watching on YouTube, <laughs> you'll see here I have typewriters, but also I have just books just sitting behind me because. I am always reading. I read books the way people watch TV. I pick up a mystery book. I read a chapter or two. I pick up a fiction book. I pick up a a nonfiction memoir. The way people switch channels on TV is the way that I read books. And it's funny because my husband will be watching TV and I'm sitting next to him reading. And I'm completely into my book because I've zoned out, right? All the background noise. And I love, I love to read. And I always would just post a picture of the book or the audio book on Instagram. And I was like, why don't I record a video about it? Well, I know why. I don't do video recordings. This is not who I am. I'm, I just started podcasting, but how dare I make a video? Well, why not? Like everyone that you see on TV or on a YouTube video dare to do something different and record it. And I'm like, somebody might watch it. And it's funny because right now, you know, I get 10 people that look and I'm like, I hope you pick up the book. Even if three of those people pick up the book, it's worth it, right? So yes, I'm a voracious reader. I'm always, always, always reading. And then, um, so I started doing the book reviews. I also review toddler books. 
because I've turned my daughter into a big reader. So we read books about different food types. We read books about potty training when I was trying to get her prepared for potty training and like, you know, teach her that diapers are over. (laughs) So we read books about that because to me, why not pull on the resources you have? I don't have to do everything. My husband doesn't have, if someone's read a book or written a book about it, we can let her read it and now be like, oh yeah, look at that kid. They're potty training too. Oh, look at this. It's not just me, right? So I hope that we're expanding her world just as I expand my world every day when I pick up another book. So. Yeah, that's awesome. I That's one thing I love about reading myself is like, I feel like I'm kind of diving into a different world and I love that you're teaching your daughter to love reading and Mm -hmm. you're also educating her via reading, which it's kind of, you know, you're doing two separate things there, which is really, really. Yeah. So I'm curious. um, I feel like you would consider yourself a success in your definition of success and that you are living the life that you want how do you give yourself permission to live the life that you want to live, right? You you could be working at a big law firm right now. You could be pounding the pavement, doing litigation, going to court every day, right? And there yeah. are likely people that judge you or expect you to do or be a certain way because you went to law school. So how do you give yourself permission to live the life that you want to live? Yeah, that is a really, really good question. I give myself permission to live the way I want to live just by reminding myself every day, literally every day that I get to write my own rules. You get to. And I say, yeah. And I say that because my legal mentor, he graduated at least like seven years before me. I could call him right now and he would ask me, do you want me to pay for the bar exam? You'd be a great lawyer or you'd be be a great attorney because he's like, oh my God, look at all this stuff that you've built. Like, this is literally like you have the tools. And I'm like, I don't want to practice. So the way that I give myself permission to live this is just by reminding myself that I get to do this. Kyla, you can record with Susie today. Kyla, you can go to the library and get a new book because the pressure of it all, a lot of it was my own pressure. You went to law school, you have to. Yeah, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> I don't. And I had to tell myself that. And I gave myself that permission by just reminding myself, Kyla, you're going to make a turkey sandwich because that's what you want to eat. Kyla, you're 38. You want ice cream for dinner? You can have ice cream for Heck dinner. Oh, you're speaking hey, my language. Yep. <laughs> But I have to remind myself all the time, even when I record for you are a lawyer, Kyla, you're a lawyer and you choose not to practice. I have to just keep telling myself until it becomes just ingrained in me. Wow, I get to do this. I get to. And it kind of gives me that um, perspective. What am I trying to say? I have a feeling of gratitude because it's like, I get to do this, not, oh, I have to go and work. Well, I'm working more than 40 hours a week on the podcast now. You know, podcasting is definitely a full-time job. (laughs) And then when you add in book reviews and all of the stuff, it's, it's a full, full life. But I get to do it because this is how I decided I wanted my life to be. And that's how I give myself permission. I just remind myself, you know, right now, this is serving me. If at any time it's not serving me, then I get to do something else. 
But that is how I had to change my mindset to say, this is the life you're leaving. This is the life you're leading. You're not going to be defensive about it. You're not going to feel, you know, like the big loser. This is what you decided to do. I think that's great advice and just, just so much wisdom there. Um, I know that a lot of times we get up and we're getting ready to, you know, start our computers or do whatever. And we're like, oh, we have to do the thing. But at the end of the day, we get to do this. You get to choose. And if you ever wanted to take the bar, you could proactively choose to do that. You can always pivot, right? You could you could do that if you wanted to. And believe me, I think about it often. I have a good friend who just took the bar. I think they took it a couple of times and didn't pass and waited five years and took it. And they're a new associate and they're loving it but their perspective is completely different as well. You know, now they're like, oh, I finally got it. I finally got it. But it's like, you know, I don't know why that one exam tends to be so, tends to be so heavy and weighty on us. And we're like, if you fail one test out of the 75 you took in three years, you're a failure. But it's, it's heavy. And we think about that for a really long time. And so, yeah, telling myself, that I get to do this as a reminder literally every day because I look at my law degree on the wall and I'm like, why aren't you using it? You are using it because of this, this, and this. Exactly. You are using it. And you have the sign behind you. You are a lawyer, right? So that's sort of like another thing that kind of like ingrains that into you every single day that you are a lawyer. Absolutely. I mean, it helps that I talk to lawyers every week and they're like, oh yeah, I opened you know, a banking app, or I started a travel company, or I did this. And I'm like, yeah, and you went to law school, because you're not just one thing. But also, I'm sure that helps you with the networking and the organization and just putting things in place. So yeah, you're very multidimensional. And that's a good thing. Thank you. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for hanging out with me. One more question, if I can uh, ask if you have just another yeah. question. I'm curious what 2023 looks like for you what's what is on your agenda in terms of your podcast and just your life in general so on the agenda for the podcast is continuing to do youtube videos every thursday which are the you are lawyer interviews i dabbled in it before i did like a soft skills for lawyers video you know um top lawyers on tv i did those kind of videos But now every guest is like, yeah, I want to record for YouTube. So I'm going to continue to do that. And then also I am pivoting into editing audio and video for other people. Oh, cool. So, yeah. So I am, I've reached out to a couple of people to ask them, hey, do you need a video editor or a podcast editor? Because I love doing it and I do it all day long for myself. And then when I work ahead or get too far ahead, then I'm starting to pick up jobs for other people. So that's what 2023 looks like for me starting a new branch of the business, which is offering my editing services to other people. That is awesome. Okay. That's good info to know. And you have a, <laughs> you have a merch store also, don't you? I do. So the merch store, the merch store is shopyourlawyer.com. It is under uh, renovation. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, I mean, it's still up, but I have, well, I mean, it's up for you if you want to say. So it's a spoiler. I was up and I was sleeping and I was like, 
that didn't make sense. I was sleeping and I woke up and I was like, lawyers can do anything. And I was like, yeah, lawyers are cool. Lawyers are creative. Lawyers are moms. Oh, that's going to be on my shirt. So the new ones are just literally lawyers are moms. Lawyers are dads. Lawyers are creative. That's- because... I know because my whole thing is lawyers can be anything and so it's fun to push my stuff but like you don't have to have a mug with the podcast name on it if you need to see something that says lawyers are creative when you think about starting a podcast or when you sit down to draw or sketch then use that mug right like as long as the mission and the the statement and the story is getting across it doesn't have to just have you are lawyer on it so I'll continue to have those you know, you are a lawyer merchandise as well, but I'll wait until, you know, I interview Hillary Clinton or something and the podcast blows up. People want to buy all the stuff. You, yeah, you never know, right? It's like increments. I've, I've looked back at other people's podcasts and, you know, they kind of start, you know, a little lower on the tree, you know, and they slowly kind of work their way up into, um, you know, bigger and bigger names. So, yeah. and I mean, it's funny because, of course, I would talk to her about being a former first lady, and, and but I would be like, so you used your law degree as Secretary of State. Tell me about it, yeah. right? Like, it's a whole different angle that I have. So sure. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and she was so much more than uh, Bill Clinton's wife, right? There, she, mm-hmm. has such, she has such a resume, such an impressive resume. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, her resume is likely before you know bill clinton became president was was probably more impressive than his to i mean i don't know for sure but you know that was a different day and age and you know yeah but you know we we could go off on that um on a major (laughs) but yeah so i am going to be optimistic that you're going to get someone huge on the podcast it's going to be awesome and you're going to have to have that merch store up and ready when that happens i know i know i know no pressure but um, <laughs> Kyla, this was so much fun. I've loved kind of pulling out your story. I've loved learning more about you and your journey to, you know, get you where you are today. I think what's so cool is that everyone has such unique journeys and mm-hmm. they're all so different, but people are still successes as they define it, right? Like you can be a successful person um, and not have like, the Bugatti and the trophy husband and the corner office with the oak Mm -hmm. desk and all of that stuff. So um, this has been such a fun conversation. Thank you for kind of shining a light into your world a little bit. And where can people find you? I think we know what this is, but I'd love you to (laughs) tell tell everybody. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on all the social media apps, I'm on Instagram. My personal account is Mrs. Dananyo. And that's really fun. You get to see all these really cute pictures of my daughter jumping around in bubbles and having toddler fun. Is it and Ms. Then, Mrs. Dananyo? Yes, Mrs. Dananyo. Yes. M-R-S-D-E-N-A-N-Y-O-H. So that's really cute. And then um, the podcast, you can find me on You Are a Lawyer on Instagram. I'm also U-R-A underscore lawyer on Twitter. And then please, please check out the YouTube channel, which is Kyla Dananyo on YouTube. And so there's a You Are Lawyer playlist, or honestly, the easiest way, just Google You Are Lawyer and you will find me. I will come up 
down a whole bunch of a page of stuff. So yeah, just Google it as well. You are a lawyer and you can find me there. So thank you so much for hanging out with me. I'm so grateful for your time and learning more about you. Thank you, Susie. I appreciate this. Thanks. Have a beautiful day, friend. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today on Legally Bliss Conversations. If you love this episode and you want to hang out with other inspiring and light gold female attorneys, be sure to join the Legally Bliss community at legallyblissed.com. And be sure to follow me on Instagram at Susie Nixon. See you next time.